A man is found dead in a lake in Minnesota. He was last seen leaving his friend's car after a night of partying at the club. This would be a pretty standard accidental drowning case for police, if not for one thing, the last phone call that he made. What happened to Henry McCabe? Welcome, 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 welcome in everyone. This is Brad being annoying to start off our weekly episode of the Killing Miss and Hidden podcast. This week we're going to talk about Henry McCabe. You may not recognize the name, but you probably recognize the case. Now we're going to begin though with a shout out to one of our listeners. As you know, from time to time, we like to highlight those of you that are kind enough to leave us reviews, and that's what we're going to do today. This one comes from Crypt Keeper Devin, who left us this amazing review. Absolutely recommend. Love this podcast. Planning on listening weekly? This podcast is very well thought out, and Brad has the ability to draw me in and seriously love his voice. Just so you know, this review has lots of exclamation marks in it, um, so it's even better than the way I'm presenting it. Thank you very much to Devin for the kind words. Just so you know, I believe, I hope I'm right in this, that Devin is one of the co-hosts of the podcast from The Crypt that you can find if you wish to listen to more paranormal-ish type cases than what I typically cover. They do a really good job, um... He has a co-host whose name is totally escaping me, but Devin left the review, so you know, he's the one that counts, right? Now, if you haven't left a review, you're never going to be featured on here, which is sad. How are you ever going to get this on your resume if you if you don't take 30 seconds to leave a review? And I don't want that for you. I'm supposed to do calls to action, right? Isn't that what all the experts say? So, go leave a review. Tell me how wonderful I am, because, again, this is all about me, right? And just, just, I mean, Devin, he talked about how beautiful my voice was. I don't get this in normal life. I'm a married man with kids. If I do my job right, I get a meh, you know? So this feeds my little ego. Help me out here. Let's do it, guys. Okay, I'll I'll stop just making noise. We'll, We'll jump into this week's episode. So few deaths that we are ever going to cover are as confounding as Henry McCabe's. This 32-year-old from Minnesota disappeared in September of 2015 in the midst of his life arguably falling apart. I found evidence that he was having problems at work where he was an auditor for the Minnesota Department of Revenue. There's also some suggestions he was having money problems that he bounced his rent check at the beginning of September. And he may have been having marital problems as well. But sadly, nothing like that would compare to what Labor Day would have in store for him. That evening, Henry went out drinking with his buddy, William Kennedy, at a local club. William picked up Henry. They went and had a blast. Some would say too much fun as Henry got a little drunk. And that's being very modest and conservative to say that. When William was taking Henry home, Henry didn't want to go straight home. He insisted on being dropped off at a convenience store, a convenience store that was in the opposite direction from where his house was. William protested, but Henry insisted that it was his neighborhood, his people, he'd be fine. 
So, around two in the morning, William dropped him off and drove away. And Henry isn't seen alive again. Two months later, a kayaker finds Henry's body in Rush Lake, which is about four miles from the gas station. Henry's body shows no signs of trauma. There's no bruises, no cuts, no wounds, nothing like that. This lake is surrounded by very dense foliage and has no natural trails leading to it. So it would be difficult for a sober person to get there, much less someone as drunk as Henry. But if you've ever been to a high school or college party, you know that there's people that when they get super drunk, they gain superpowers. So it's not shocking that Henry would be able to make it to this lake. The medical examiner ruled the death an accidental drowning. Now, once they find the body, of course, police begin looking into it. And one oddity they notice is William's story does not add up. He says he left Henry at a specific gas station, but when they pull those security footage, there's no William and there's no Henry there. Now, I will give kudos to the cops here because I know a lot of departments would have stopped their investigation there and said, oh, William must have done it. Let's build a case around him, but not, not these folks. They went and pulled the security footage for all the gas stations in the nearby area, and in doing so, actually found the gas station where William dropped off Henry. Now, William made sure to point out that Henry was extremely drunk when he dropped him off, and he didn't know what happened to him. He never spoke to him again. Remember, Henry's dropped off around 2 o'clock. At 2.23, Henry's wife receives a disturbing phone call. Now, she's in California at this time, and Henry's call is basically him being in a total panic, claiming to have been shot, and it's full of crazy animalistic noises, him clearly being scared out of his mind. I think there's some sobbing, and it's just a horrific phone call overall. Now, no details have been released exactly about this phone call. We're going based off of what the wife tells us. Immediately after that phone call ends, a second phone call is made from Henry's phone to his brother. Now his brother's asleep, so the call goes to voicemail, and there's a two-minute long voicemail of Henry, again, sobbing, lots of scuffling type noises. It sounds like there's almost animalistic noises, and the voicemail ends with a third party saying, stop it. Now, sadly, that voicemail is not made public. ABC News there in Minneapolis got pieces of the voicemail and used it in a news segment. So if you go online and look for it, you can find those few seconds that have been made public while a reporter talks over the recording. I've got a link to the video in my show notes if you want to hear it. I did not want to play the recording on here since it's somebody else's work. I don't want to make it look like I'm taking credit for it. Um, and honestly, with the reporter talking over it, it's not it's not very good audio for a podcast anyway. But go to the show notes and check out that video. Um, you may want to do so now so you have some context for when we talk about it later. After ABC obtained a copy of the little fragments it got, the local police sent the tape to the FBI for further analysis and to try to clean it up. And that's the last bit of information we have about the voicemail. 
Now, Henry's phone pinged off of cell towers in Spring Lake Park and New Brighton, both of which are suburbs of Minneapolis. The two towns are about five miles apart, and Rush Lake, where Henry was found, is in New Brighton or just outside of it. Despite his death being ruled an accidental drowning, police have kept Henry's file open and say that the case remains under investigation. However, very, very little has ever been released to the public since Henry's death. All right, now the police did interview some folks as potential suspects, although with the medical examiner saying this was an accidental drowning, with Henry being so obviously drunk, and with no physical evidence to suggest there was a struggle, there's officially been no suspects in this case because the police have never declared it a homicide. Like we talked about with William, he kind of messed up with the gas station and drew a little bit of suspicion towards himself. Another odd thing is William was holding Henry's keys. Now, since William drove him to the club and was driving him home from the club, there's not a good reason for William to have Henry's keys. And I don't know that one has ever been provided. And it seems especially bad that William drops Henry off at a gas station that would take 40 minutes for him to walk home from and didn't even leave him his keys. So he would have no way to get inside his house. I think, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I think there's a good chance that if Henry's as drunk as they say, William's probably not sober himself and he's not going to tell the police that he was driving drunk. While they were at the club, they hung out with a buddy named Calvin Johnson, who, and this is also odd, was holding on to Henry's wallet. Calvin says, look, Henry was buying drinks left and right. I wanted to stop him because he was going too far, but I didn't want to make a big confrontation of it, so I just managed to snag his wallet, forgot to give it back to him. So now we've got poor Henry stuck at a gas station that will take him 40 minutes to walk home from. And he's got no keys and no identification and no money with him. William and Calvin both immediately turned over the keys in the wallet to the police. There's no suggestion of anything, you know, that they were doing anything malicious by having the items. It just doesn't look good. Henry's wife, of course, was questioned since she received the phone call. She presented herself as very cooperative and answered all the police's questions. And the local community embraced her. They want, there was an organization in Minneapolis for Liberian refugees, which Henry was from Liberia originally. And they tried to help take care of Henry's wife and offered reward money. But as time went on, the group learned that Henry's wife was being deceptive. She was trying to manipulate people and ultimately found her so distasteful that they refused to be associated with her and withdrew their reward money offer. Like I said, Henry was from Liberia, and that's noteworthy only because while he was in Liberia, there was a long, bloody, and devastating civil war going on. He says he came to America for a better life, as we all would in that situation. But there's rumors in the... Minnesota Liberian community that Henry was a little bit more involved in the Civil War than one may think. 
it sounds like he wasn't just caught in the middle. He may have been on one side of the conflict. And that because of that, some believe that he could have been a target of assassination by the other faction, who also has refugees living in America and Minnesota. No evidence to support any of that. That's just what they suspect based on living in the area. And that, folks, is all the facts we have in this case. This is a very skinny case for us to try to delve into, but we're going to do our best. It's just too odd to ignore. Now, if we take away that phone call, this is an extremely tame case for us to be covering. All we really have is a drunk man found dead in the lake with no evidence of any sort of trauma, and he was going through a rough time in his life. So you could say he either accidentally drowned or he committed suicide, and it probably wouldn't raise any eyebrows. But we do have the phone call. Now, before we get into the phone call, I think there's some issues we can explore just with the case in general. We've discussed William and Calvin holding on to Henry's personal items, his wallet and his keys. That doesn't make a lick of sense to me why they would do that, particularly the keys. I mean, that left Henry in a very bad position in my mind. Again, though, if they're drinking, and I mean, again, the description is not that Henry was drunk. It's that he was hammered. He was smashed, you know, wasted, three sheets to the wind, plastered, blasted, pissed, out of his gourd, whatever you want to call it. But he was barely able to stand and walk. I got to believe his buddies weren't in much better shape. William's drinking and driving, like I said, doesn't want to tell that to the police. Uh, so he kind of fudges on some things. I don't think he told the whole story, but I don't think there's anything that suggests to me he did something to Henry in this case. Again, we do have security footage that shows William dropping Henry off and then driving away. Plus, let me take a moment just to say that if William was driving drunk, that was really, really stinking stupid. I've seen too many bad things out of that, as any officer or defense attorney will tell you. Don't don't drink and drive. It's It's... Yeah. Okay, so the next point, and again, ignoring the phone call, is Henry and his travels that night. So he's dropped off at this gas station at 2 a.m., and he makes this weird phone call to his wife at 2.23 a.m. And during this time, at least according to the cell towers, he traveled four miles. That's a pretty good clip. That's, that's what, a five-minute mile, I think? Henry looked like he was in pretty good shape, but I think it'd be hard for anybody to run a five-minute mile while totally, totally inebriated. So I suspect that he may have caught a ride. It's the only way to explain, in my mind, how he got so far so quickly. Now, if Henry is feeling suicidal, it seems odd to me that he would be found at Rush Lake. The reason for that is where he's dropped off, there's a lake right across the street from this gas station called Moore Lake. For him to get to Rush Lake, regardless of which way he goes, he's going to have to pass at least three major lakes if we count Moore Lake. There'd also be Pike Lake and Long Lake and a smattering of other ponds and, and lakes in the area. As you know, Minnesota's the land of a thousand lakes, and if you look at a map, that's 
pretty gosh darn true. Unless Henry was killed at one location and then had his body dumped into Rush Lake, I think it's fair to say that he had to have caught a ride to be able to make the phone call at the Rush Lake area in the time frame that we're working with. And again, I've, I've already said this, but the cell towers back that point up that he traveled very quickly. Okay, all right, so the phone call. Again, if you haven't listened to it, this may be a good time to stop and check it out. Video's in the show notes. It's less than two minutes, if I recall. It may help provide some context, but you know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You live your life the best way you can. And if that means not listening to the phone call, don't listen to a phone call. I'm not here to bully you. So Henry's wife receives the phone call at 2.23 a.m., and they talk for 20 minutes. Henry claims he's shot, he's in clear panic, and there's all these weird noises. The call ends, and he calls his brother, who recorded the voicemail that we've talked about. The key bit to this voicemail that I really wish was made public would, would be the stop it voice. I think that would give us a chance to tell whether it was Henry saying that, if it was truly a third person, or if we could link it back to Charles or William. Since we don't get to hear any of the initial phone call, we just have to rely on Henry's wife's recount. She claims that in addition to what we've talked about, she could make out some words, like police, I believe, was one, a few others, but the one that stands out is a word that was used for William as his nickname. That's interesting when coupled with the fact that William was the one who drove Henry and William was the one holding Henry's keys so he couldn't get into his house. But how much do we trust this wife? Remember, there's marital problems going on. The local Minneapolis community kicked her to the curb. She claims Henry was shot when he's found with no wounds on his body. That leaves me to kind of discount her description of what the phone call was, what happened during the phone call. I think the second phone call that we actually get to hear clips of is much more important, and it's also all kinds of freaky. It really does sound like Henry's being attacked by an animal. Some people have actually suggested that it was a Bigfoot attack, which I love because it segues so nicely with last week's episode. But, and I'm no expert, I just don't think Bigfoot's in the business of gently drowning people so he doesn't leave a mark when they're dead. I also think that would hold true for dogs or wolves, big cats, you know, any sort of carnivore that's out there that could come after you. They're going to eat you. If you really listen to the tape, and of course I have multiple times, I do think it's possible that it was Henry making the noises. They aren't quite as feral and animalistic sounding as a lot of reports want to suggest, at least in my opinion. They're odd, they're cray-cray, but if you told me that a human could make those noises, I would believe you. But they just don't strike me as totally inhuman. Now, I could find no evidence that Henry's a drug user, which, if he was one, would have helped explain the situation and his odd behavior a little bit better. I read suggestions online that his friends and family adamantly claimed he never touched drugs. 
Obviously, though, drug users aren't keen on making that aspect of their life public record. And without some evidence to support that theory, I'm, I'm hesitant to sit here and say this dead man used drugs. I just think it's something that we need to keep in our consciousness as a possibility as we bat this around in our minds. You know, further, we have the official cause of death being drowning. The police weren't bashful in talking about the alcohol in Henry's system, but no one ever made a mention of drugs being in his system. Now, I just can't believe that if they did any sort of tox analysis and found something, they wouldn't have shared that with us. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just think that we would know about that. Of course, maybe there's less paperwork for everyone involved if Henry did just drown. I don't know, but I tend to trust the police here. They, again, have kept this file open. They have been meeting with leaders of the Liberian community in Minnesota to update them on progress of the investigation. And not just patrol officers or sergeants. They're sending out people with some real rank to hold these committee or these community meetings and including the chief of police i think he's held the most the bulk of them there's also been no attempt by the police to explain why henry died they will just stick only to the medical examiner's report which hints to me that they don't really have any reason to believe it was anything other than a drowning I think there's multiple theories that could explain this odd case, and maybe one of them's correct. First, these weird sounds, maybe they're of Henry f trying to fight off his attackers as he's being drowned. Again, we don't know it's on the 20 minute long phone conversation with his wife, but from the voicemail, we don't really, or I didn't hear any splashing of water or things like that. And I would think that Henry wouldn't really be able to put up much of a fight in his condition. But I think we can make the speculation because the body, having been in the water so long, would have been in such rough shape that it would be hard to tell exactly what sort of soft tissue injuries Henry would have suffered. A knife wound, yes, we could see. Bruising from being held down, maybe not. And there's no obvious motive for a killing that I see. He certainly wasn't robbed since he didn't have anything on him. Even if we want to stay in the Henry's a drug user line of thinking, and he called up his dealer, if he has no money to buy the drugs, you know, a low-level guy's response is not to kill his customer. It's to... It's just part of the business. I mean, how they are constantly approached by junkies who are trying to find alternative ways to get drugs without having to pay for them. So that wouldn't have been unusual in the course of that dude's business. Totally, totally unsupported speculation here. But could Henry have owed people money? He was in bad financial shape. I have no evidence that he was a gambler or anything like that. But, if he's supposed to be paying money, he hasn't been doing it, this is a prime opportunity to take advantage of Henry. There's also, like the Liberian leaders theorize that a rival faction from the Civil War could have marked Henry as an assassination target and used this opportunity to take him down as well. Drowning someone is a tough way to do that. You would think they'd just 
shoot them and move on. But don't know the politics at play, whether there needed to be some form of intimidation involved. It's just a theory. Personally, me, I do fall into the Henry was murdered boat. I think a third party gave him a ride for some reason and then decided that Henry shouldn't be allowed to survive the night. Henry was possibly at least psychologically tortured for some reason before he was killed. Maybe dogs were being used to scare him before he was finally put in the water and and had his life ended. Now, I will say this. I would love to have an opportunity to question Henry's wife because her story stinks to me. Why was she on the phone with Henry, Henry for 20 minutes before he died? He's obviously struggling. He's obviously in pain. He's in panic. And yet you hold a 20-minute phone conversation with him. Why have you never revealed the contents of that conversation? Was she trying to calm him down? Was she trying to figure out what was going on? We don't know. She won't say. They were having marital problems. We don't know what kind. It's possible she spent the family into debt. It's also possible Henry was cheating on her. There's a million reasons why they could be having these issues and they were, from what I've read, they were on the verge of splitting up. Uh, some, some people even referred to her as Henry's ex-wife at this point. Is it possible that she wanted some measure of revenge against Henry for something he had done? She has a great alibi being in California, of course, but she lived in the same community with Henry. They knew a lot of the same people. Is it really so outlandish to believe that she wouldn't have the ability to set up a hit on her husband? To me, that would also account for the length of the phone call because she may have enjoyed listening to Henry beg and cry. I'm really bothered by the fact that what little information we have about the phone conversation doesn't match up with the facts that are available. There's no gunshot wound on Henry. She insists he claimed he was shot. I I also find it very, very odd that the phone conversation ends and she does nothing. She does not make a 911 call. She does not file a missing persons report. Henry's brother does all this when he wakes up the next morning. If it were up to Henry's wife, we don't know that this ever would have been reported to the police. She made no effort to alert anyone to Henry's troubles. Why? If this is a loved one, why do you not take some step to try to help them? I mean, something about this woman stinks, and it stinks real, real bad to me. I would love to see some more information about this chick's story because what we've got don't work for me. Okay, so that's yet another strange case with no clean answers. I've given my opinion, but I'd love to hear yours. You can even tell me where I'm wrong in my opinion. I've got thick skin. I, you know, yeah, I bruise easily, but, you know, after 20 minutes or so of crying, I'd get over it. You can send us your thoughts at, to info at kmhpodcast.com. Uh, for some reason, I am constantly forgetting to do the palate cleanser as I'm working my way through this episode. So let's do that now. So it makes it into the, into the episode. 
Now I'm going to say something that's going to send some ripples through the podcasting world. I am not using one of my son's jokes this week. I had a joke submitted to me by a listener, and I'm going to use it. Be you know, Rest assured, I had nothing to do in picking out this joke, so it's better quality than when I'm left to my own devices. But let's do this real quick, like a Band-Aid, and let's pray that I don't get bullied too terribly for doing this. So here's the joke. Why couldn't the lumberjack go to the bar with his friends? Give up? It's because he was married. Ha <laughs> ha. We can all thank listener Graham for that gold nugget. And feel free to send in your own jokes if you want. You'll put my son out of business, but, you know, he can be heartless. That's fine. He needs to learn that it's a cold, cruel world out there. You know, if you're cool with making an eight-year-old cry, go for it. All right, and with that, we'll say this is a wrap. Like I said, I need to do calls of action, right? So go leave us a review, throw a bunch of stars our way. Um, you know, I favor the Apple platform for doing that because that, at least at the moment, is the big dog in the industry and means more than any other platform. But I take reviews anywhere. I'm happy to get kind words wherever they come from. If you can subscribe, that would also be a win-win for both of us. You make sure you never miss out on an episode. I get another subscriber, which apparently, you know, means something in this podcasting world. Join our Facebook group. Join our Facebook group. Join our Facebook group. About to start doing things with it. If you're not a member of the Facebook group, you won't get to participate. So we're easy to find. Go to Facebook. Search for Killing, Missing, Hidden. We have a page. From there, you can click on the group. And you can ask to join. You just have to answer three little questions. And if you send friends to join, make sure they know that they've got to answer those same three questions before they can be allowed in. I do that so that only real listeners get into the group. And we can maybe have conversations about the episodes. So please use it for that purpose. Thank you all for listening. Um, Oh, stay in touch with us too through Instagram. kmh.podcast. We do lots of stupid things on there. I'm sure you'll enjoy that. Please be good to yourself. This is a very trying time. There's lots of strife in the world. Please also be good to other people. This is a time we need love. We need to be united. I'm not talking politics or religion or anything like that. Just life is hard enough. Why make it hard for somebody else too? It's just as easy to be nice as it is to be mean. All right. So with that, I will say ta-ta. If I don't see you around, I'll see you square. That's genius, right? All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Kellen Missing Hidden. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share. Questions? Email us at info at kmhpodcast.com